0: hockey fans, welcome to episode lucky number seven of the PHD podcast. I am Mitch. You can find me on Twitter at PHD underscore Mitch. We're going to take you through the week that was of Pittsburgh-based hockey and everything that we've been through. I was throughout several rinks this last week. Uh, You can find all of our coverage on berghockey.com, on Facebook at Pittsburgh Hockey Digest. And I relaunched our Instagram, of course, we let Jen uh, Hoffman last year take the reins of that, uh, our dearly departed Jen Hoffman taking off from us. Uh, she, I am taking over the Instagram, so you're getting pictures from me on Instagram for the time being. We might let Ed Major in. I haven't decided yet. Uh, you're going to find it there on Instagram. Uh, big week coming up, final week of the preseason for the PIHL. Uh, we're going to talk about the week that was And we're going to look at next week. We will be in the rink for the PIHL opening week. Uh, Very exciting. Finally there took long enough, but we are back to hockey. That actually means something. Uh, I spent the last Saturday in the rink at the Robert Morris Island sports center. Uh, Robert Morris women, of course, hosted the university of Ontario Institute of technology. Uh, That was a big game because you needed to see how that team's going to fare this year without, uh, Brittany Howard, of course, leaving to go. Actually, she graduated. I apologize. She didn't leave anywhere. She was forced out. Uh, she spent five good years at Robert Morris. But, no, she uh, graduated and moved on. She's playing for the Toronto Furies now. But you got a big hole to fill, and I just wanted to see how, how that team burn out, spent out. And, and it looked good. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But we're going to open it up. Last week, we were talking about Pine Richland coming off of their second consecutive tournament win at the St. Margaret Tournament at Alpha Ice Arena. We still had some preseason hockey to go, so we headed on to Greensburg and the Kirk S. Nevin Arena at Lynch Field, and we took in Plum and Pentrafford as well as Hempfield and West Allegheny this year. Uh, First game, of course, you look at West Allegheny winning, uh, losing that game 6-5 in a wild game to Hempfield. And I I say wild because Hempfield opened that game up. They had a big lead by the end of the second period, but then it went insane. The West Allegheny was able to score a ridiculous number of unanswered goals on the Hempfield Spartans. And that got closer than it was. And let's just say you're going to hold on to that for a couple minutes because that was a wild, wild, wild game. Very physical. Both games on Friday uh, Thursday night were very 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 physical. Uh, quite a few number of ejections. Yeah, I hate to see those. And you know, I, I you know, you always talk about it. And I know I mentioned it in my I'm upset a couple weeks ago that I'm not into that type of stuff. But it, it's a part of the game, and you have to accept it for what it is. And I realize boys will be boys, right? You I mean, you're going to talk about hockey. It's it's preseason tournament. Everybody's trying to get their blood flowing and get ready for this regular season. Chase those penguin cups, and you look at it and then. Hey, it is what it is. But anyway, you look at it again. Hempfield defeated Traf- I mean, sorry, Penfield defeated West Allegheny six five in that game, and that was able to give Hempfield four points on those standings. I threw something up on Twitter, so you already know where this is going. Uh, the opening game was Plum and Penn Trafford. Uh Plum, of course, coming back to double A. First chance I got to look at the team. Very young team that they have up there. Uh, Still learning. They finished with uh, a couple. They, they tied South Park. They, of course, lost to Pentrafford 5-2. And then they beat Greensburg-Salem 9-2 on Saturday. So, young team uh, still getting their bearings straight. I mean, you look at the last couple of years, you've got a couple of guys who are still around from that Penguins Cup championship in AA two years ago. And, of course, playing up in AAA last year. It's, going, you know, it's something they're going to have to bring back and bring to those younger players. So I got a chance to speak with the new coach out there at Plum. And uh, unfortunately, I do have to apologize. I got a new phone on Saturday, and I apparently didn't send myself that interview before it was done. So I'm going to chalk that up to being a complete amateur at this. And you guys can riddle me and ridicule me all you want, however you want to do it, fine with me um but unfortunately I was unable to get that ready for you and uh so we're just going to continue to talk about it. basically what the gist of the conversation ended up is that it's the whole the whole different world they're trying to go with the uh with a younger crew and they have a couple players, a couple seniors that are taking the lead here this season uh Adamski and a couple other players that they're uh they're leaning on for the leadership and they're in a what would you refer to as kind of a small rebuilding phase, but they feel like going to AA is going to be a little bit better. It doesn't matter where they play in their eyes. So uh, hopefully I can get back and speak with, the, uh, with, with Plum here soon. I do apologize. I am very scatterbrained on that. I had to make a quick decision and <laughs> ended up with a new phone on Saturday. So we'll get to them again. Uh, so we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But as we continue to move on and look at the... Greensburg Salem tournament. I was able. I missed the game on Saturday. Greensburg Salem losing Plum nine two, and then there was another remake up game where Hempfield defeated South Fayette two one. Uh, and then I was in the rink on Monday. Uh, got to see Thomas Jefferson and South Park play. Uh, very 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 entertaining game there. Those two put left it all on the ice, and Thomas Jefferson defeating South Park six to two. And Kiski and Norwin. Norwin was able to pull off five points in that game, but unfortunately, when you look at the standings, and I did halfway through that game. If you noticed on Twitter, the uh, the standings that I was able to throw up for you showed that before that game even started, we had a championship game, and those two teams playing on Saturday, on Thursday at Kirk Nevin Arena, will be the Hempfield Spartans who finished with 10 points, uh, two points in their first game, four points in their last two games. And the West Allegheny Indians, who finished with 9.5 points, four, and a half, four points in the first game, four and a half in the second game, and one point in that final game against against Hempfield. Um, Norwin was able to come in and get an extra five points there, but they lost the tiebreaker after losing the West Allegheny in the first game, one Uh Kiske, it's going to be a rough year for them. They're in a very, very, very tough rebuilding year they had a, a very young team uh didn't have many players dress in this round it's going to be a rough go for Kiskey this year but if anything you look at it and you say a couple years ago uh West A started out was not good a couple years ago and last year they were able to go and finish fourth in the conference sorry fifth in the conference No, so it was fourth in, in single A and that big run at the end. And then you look at them and they only brought back 14 seniors. So you get these young teams and in Fox chapel two years ago, I don't believe won a single game and then went on an absolute terror last year. So you get those stories and sometimes it is uh, cyclical and you have to, you know, watch a team evolve over a couple years and you're not going to win everything every year because, you know, like I said, it's, it's high school hockey. It's four years and you got a brand, no matter what you have a brand new look at people and he, you have to figure out that you're going to have those down years and you might have that, that ringer player in high school that you are worried about is not, no longer going to be with your team and you have to become a different team. And we'll talk a little bit about that dynamic a little bit later when we talk about the Robert Morris women. But right now, you know, we're still sticking with this hockey thing. And on Thursday, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make it to the rink. I have prior engagement. I host the trivia show on Thursday nights. Uh, so best of luck to both Hempfield and West Allegheny. I'll be fo- following along as closely as I can. And that is a good segue into the next state, the uh, game on Friday night at Robert Morris University Island Sports Center. The West Allegheny Indians and the newly outfitted Montour Spartans Boy, do those blackout jerseys look terrific. Absolutely amazing on those teams. And it was a great game for a great cause and a great turnout. And I'll talk a little bit about that later. Uh, The Travis Mannion Foundation, of course, to help uh, veterans out. And a great night, great job hosting by the Montour Spartans. West Allegheny brought it. Uh, The score doesn't matter in this game because you're playing for a better cause, and they definitely had a good cause that night. Um, So, But, I mean, on the ice you talk about, you can look at, okay, this player had a great game. Everybody left it all out on the ice. There was no trash. It was all a great hockey game to be had by both sides, and I appreciate the opportunity to go out and check it out and, and be involved in it. I mean, I was able to go Periscope live beforehand. I was able to you know, have talks with everybody. i got a couple conversations here. I want to talk about the interviews that I had. Um, Of course, the head coach from West Allegheny, Brian Boehm, he's – apparently all these coaches like to listen to the podcast, so we're giving him some shout-outs now, and we are going to be talking talking about West Allegheny and their future this season, of course, coming off that thing. We'll talk about that in a couple minutes, but I want to give a quick shout-out to everybody involved with that night uh, from the parents, the players – And the West Allegheny student section, oh my god. If I had an opportunity to pick a better kickoff to Mitch's challenge, that was the night. The West Allegheny student section brought it. They were in mass. There had to have been at least 150, 200 students here at that game on a Friday night, on football Friday in Western Pennsylvania. I couldn't believe it. I expected maybe... A dozen to two dozen? No, there were at least one, about a hundred, looked to be about a hundred students from West Allegheny show up to enjoy this hockey game and support the West Allegheny Indians. I, I never see, thought I'd see that on a Friday night in Western Pennsylvania in September. You're in the heart of football season, in the heart of Palco country, and we're talking about that. Kudos to everybody in the West A student section. Um, but with that being said, we got more important things to discuss about the hockey the players on the ice. And with that being said, I want to open up with this interview. We've done some pieces on him during the All-Star game and following him a little bit closely. Because you get those t- you get those players that have that little special touch. And this is one of those. And I got a chance to sit down, actually, to talk to Kellen Almaty uh, of the West uh, Allegheny Indians. And here is... What he had to say about his upcoming season. Uh, coming into your senior season this year, you got that C on your, your jersey now. What have you taken from the last couple years to bring to this season? Like, what are you working on in the off season? What are you taking? Um, definitely, just a big thing with me was just stops and starts, keeping my feet moving.
1: That's really helped me find open ice as I've progressed up through the through the high school levels. So I think that's a big, big, been a big part of my game, and also just. The dedication
0: that I have to the team and everyone else has to the team. That's been a big part, and we're all focused and we're all in this year. Okay, you were with that team two years ago. Didn't exactly have a great start. Dropped down to the, the single A, and you guys just lit the world on fire last year. You know, finished with uh, fourth place last year. in the in the big conference. I think it was 19 yeah. teams. So uh, based off of that, what are you looking at leaving for the next generation of players? What are you wanting to bring? Definitely... On? Coming to the rink, doing your jobs, and knowing your role on the team, that's been another
1: big thing that we've done and developed as a team. We changed the culture. With the high of Brian Bame. he's come in, and he's really changed everything. And it's all been in a good, positive
0: direction. And having the team, knowing what roles they're on, that just builds the championship team. Okay, Kellen, good luck this season. Right, thank hopefully you very much. see you in 66 uh, this year, all right? All right. So yeah, take care. care. See you. Of course, he spoke of head coach Brian Bame. Uh, you're talking about changing the culture, of course, two years ago. They had a really rough go at it. I believe they only had two wins in double-A, dropped to single-A. And they are, um, <laughs> well, they just took off in single-A. And players like Kellen Almadi, and you know, you're looking at these, you know, and they just grew. You got Nolan, uh, Bancroft. A couple players that you you don't even think about, and I spoke about the depth with Brian Bame, and of course you're going to hear that in a couple seconds, but he kind of outlined what his team is going to look like in this upcoming season and what what led them to where they are. So here is Brian Bame. a uh, coach, something that I noticed from this year from last year is you're putting the pocket net a lot more. It's not just Kellen. It's not a couple. You're getting circular. Out. Oh, that's a great. That is wonderful. I hope that makes it. Um, you know, but uh, you're getting a lot more scoring, well-rounded scoring, from your squad. Was that something that you were looking for in the offseason? Yeah. Um, it's the one thing that we
2: always focus on. The offensive game is always the toughest thing to develop. But that's what we focused on. We had a young team two years ago, and we knew that it was going to take a little while to develop that offensive identity but they did that but I think the one thing that we focused on is puck possession and that's the key to it we take a lot of shots so when you take a lot of shots a percentage you know a higher percentage of them are going to go in. Um, and that's 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 our goal, really. When we get the puck, we want to put it on net. And that's, you know, puck's on net and we're driving the net, making the goaltender and the defenseman comfortable. That's what we want our identity to be out there.
0: Okay, yeah, last year you were a little shorthanded on the back end. It seems like you've shored that up a little bit more. We're going from offense to defense now. Um, tell me about your six that you've got rotating in there. It seems like they're shutting down everybody right now. Yeah,
2: Nick, Nick Bandai's as good a defenseman as there is out there. Um, He's just all skill. Um, so he does a lot of his defensive work, just possessing the puck. But we have uh, one of our defensemen, uh, Alex Morton's hurt. He's Nick's regular partner, but Bree Medved steps in there, and she's. I was just telling him that, that, that my favorite defensemen are the ones that I don't notice when they're out there because they're not making mistakes and just doing their jobs, and that's Bree. Um And you guys uh, – Austin Heminger and um, Tyler Morgan have become just a fantastic two-way pair um, those guys understand offensive and defensive lanes they know how to fill them and they know how to hit them so um, we're, we're gonna be tough to beat on the back end and we're, we're using a couple call-ups right now Dylan Sabo and um, Brayton at that Bray's little brother um, they're uh, filling in and they filled in admir- admirably so um, yeah, we just we try to keep it simple on the back end. Let our forward speed and uh, skill get go to work, and it's worked for us so far.
0: Okay, that was, of course, Brian Bame, head coach at West Allegheny. I was able to move down the runway and talk to new head coach of Montour, Clay Shell, uh, discussing his upcoming season and some interesting things to say. I mean. Of course, uh, Montour dropping from double A to single A this season. It's going to be an interesting fact. Um, and he, yeah, he's actually going to mention some really good points about it. And, you know, Robert Morris uh, Island Sports Center now is a single A only establishment. <laughs> so two teams dropping from double A to single A uh, with Swickley Academy already there in single A. You're going to see Swickley Academy. You're going to see North Hills. And you're going to see those Montour Spartans at the island this season and i got a chance to talk to him and he he brought up some really good points about having that little dynamic and how much that's going to mean for his team clay uh your montour's moving from double a to single a this year What do you anticipate being the hurdles you're going to have to overcome? It's very competitive down. A lot more teams, a lot more to have to deal with there.
3: Yes, a lot of good teams at single A. Uh, I always tell the boys that uh, how many A's there are in the division doesn't tell you how good the division is. And single A is going to be very good this year. Uh, I'm excited about it. Um, looking forward to it.
0: Okay. And I know you depend uh, is there going to be a travel thing you worried about? You know, there's going to be a couple teams you're going to have to go out to see, you know, maybe a West Banco or... Um, locations. W- what we're excited about
3: that worked out for us, see Captain, um, is that uh, some of the teams in our division play out of this rink. So we actually have 11 or 12 games here in our own rink, which is which is exciting because, um, obviously, we have our fan base here. Um, but uh, 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 it'll be fun to travel. I'm uh, looking forward to playing Meadville. They're always a, a great <laughs> program. All
4: right. And
0: just talk about your team a little bit. Uh, well, who's coming back? What, who's coming in? What are you looking for?
3: I've got a very, uh, I've got five seniors um, that uh, is the core of our group and uh, some strong leadership with the captain and the two assistants. We've got some young forwards up front and some very young defensemen on the backside. We're not a very big program. So I, uh, I have a couple, I have a freshman playing defense, um, a couple sophomores back there. So uh, it's going to be a learning curve from them, uh, especially the uh, the ninth graders, because they're coming straight from middle school hockey to varsity hockey. So it's going to be a big jump for them. Uh, we've played this. This is actually our fifth preseason game to try and get them up to speed. And we've got a very
0: young uh, ninth grade goalie that we're excited about, too. So the future looks bright coming out of Montour. Of course, you're talking about a young team that's hungry, and they were very hungry when I was there. I mean, the the score didn't show what the uh, the heart that that team has, and definitely whenever they hit the corner and they they turn that corner, they're going to be something to have to deal with. And we saw teams, and I mentioned it earlier, how you know you had teams like uh, Kiske, who's also in that rebuilding phase. And then last year you had Beaver and Blackhawk in that same idea as long as Greensburg Salem as well as I'm sorry Greensburg Salem was last season. So there's definitely a lot to look forward to in single A this year, and it's going to be interesting to see who comes out of that conference. And I mean you got 16 teams that possibly make the postseason there, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And I'm excited to see how they. uh, how they work. So it was a big race to the end last year. There wasn't exactly too much of a fall off. There was a nice little uh, run. It was Kiske and Deer Lakes at the end. For Deer Lakes was had an opportunity to seal up a playoff spot, and unfortunately, were not able to get past the Cavaliers. So we'll see how that uh, that postseason works out. That for this season, but we got to get games in first, and um, I guess now is a good time as any. For our In the Rink coverage for opening week, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you how we're going to be showing up so you can see what we are up to next week, starting at Ice Castle. It's going to be a 7 o'clock start between Baldwin and Latrobe, and a 9 p.m. start between South Park and Wheeling Park, and Ed Major will be in the rink for us that evening. He's going to be taking in those games at Ice Castle. Um, Another one we brought. We brought somebody who was very interested in covering open night for us at Mount Lebanon Rec Center. It will be Mount Lebanon. The Blue Devils will host Central Catholic Vikings at 710 and followed up by Chartier's Valley and South Fayette. And none other than Alan Saunders will be in the rink for that game. The big cheese, the owner of Pittsburgh Hockey Digest. He will be in the rink covering those two games for us. And then moving on, you look, I will be in the rink on Tuesday. Unfortunately, Monday I have a show. I will not be able to be there. But watch out. Mitch's picks and in the rink, the return of the Knock Knights. Of course, my favorite get-to, the Knock Hockey. They will head to Connellsville in the Ice Mine, 7 p.m. That's where I will open up my 2018-19 season. We'll be in the rink. And something special for everybody in Connellsville, that will be a recording of the PhD podcast for next week. So if you've got a couple players that maybe want to come on and interview or got a couple coaches want to talk, we will be recording at the Ice Mine Immediately following that game, we will do a couple minutes and we will review the hockey week that was. I'm really excited for that. Connellsville, the Ice Mine is one of those unique old school rinks. Not much lighting, but it's great hockey as always. I'm excited to get down to see the Falcons and the Knock Knights. So we'll see you next week for those two games. So for those quite a few number of games that we've got going on. Really excited about that. And I'm really excited about another announcement that I'm about to make. Surprise, we are going to slap you with a player of the month and goalie of the month for this season. And here are the details. We are going to take as a group a decision on a Pittsburgh Hockey Digest group, a decision on a player of the month and the goalie of the month. Here are the details. For a player of the month, you will be qualified by us. We will decide who you are going, to, who it's going to be at the end of the month. It is inclusive. Uh, let's say it's October, October first to October thirty first. Any games in there will automatically uh, uh, will give you the opportunity to be the player. See, I'm so excited about this because I didn't even know that I was going to be announcing it until about fifteen minutes before we got on the podcast. And I wanted to get this taken care of. And here's how it works. All you got to do is just play your best hockey. That's it. We hear the stories. We hear the murmurs. Maybe you want to send some information. This player had a great game. Or this player's had a really good stretch of hockey. The player of the month will receive a $25 gift certificate from Bar Downski And a t-shirt from Pittsburgh Hockey Digest. Goalies, the goalie of the month will receive a free month of BroZone cleaning. We're talking about cleaning your equipment, man. Your parents will be so excited. It's not going to smell. You're going to get that hockey stank out, and there's no stank like hockey stank, man. So we are so excited to do this. Players, $25 off of Bardowski. They're up and coming. The up and comers in the area we are so excited to have a couple really good hockey sponsors on board to take care of you guys. And we want to just showcase that hockey, that Berg hockey that we're trying to do. And the best way we can do it is just by giving you guys an opportunity to win a player of the month. And not only that, if you win player of the month and you win goalie of the month, your game is is automatically on the in the rink the next week. There will be a nice little write-up about you and your team on Pittsburgh Hockey Digest, berghockey.com, and a picture with you as the winner. We just want to make sure that you understand that you are what we are trying to cover, and Berg Hockey is everybody. You are Berg Hockey. P-I-H-L, high school hockey is Berg Hockey, and you have an opportunity to be our Bardowski Player of the Month and your Brozone Goalie of the Month, both presented by Pittsburgh Hockey Digest. Myself in the rank. Does not matter. We'll hear about it. We'll know. You can send us nominations. We can just slide into DMs. Let us know. At PhD Mitch, at EdMajorPhoto, at a saunders p underscore pgh at pittsburgh pgh hockey digest come on let us know we want to know we want to make you our next player of the month our next goalie of the month this is berg hockey you are berg hockey you may also be our next player of the month boy is that an awesome 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 announcement that i just had to make it made my back is sh- like, I've got chills, dude. I've got chills. Congratulations. You got an opportunity to do something great, and we're going to showcase it. Nice. With that being said, I'm going to transition from what we were just talking about with the Robert, with the uh, single A being a Robert Morris Island Sports Center only thing to our coverage of Robert Morris hockey and of course I was in the rink on Saturday night Robert Morris women hosting the University of Ontario Techno- sorry University of Ontario Institute of Technology it's a lot to say I just called him UOIT the entire time I'm very bad at things like that but it was interesting to see and the storyline going into this season uh, besides my absolute torrid love of this team as a fan and a coverage guy because it's tough to separate the two and I'll admit it as the first one I, I I'm a fan first and I love to cover them so it's easy for me to get involved a little bit as an emotionally with this team because this is how I got my start and we're going to talk about that a little bit later and I'm upset and <laughs> something came up right before this podcast and if you followed me on Twitter you would understand what exactly I am referring to but we're going to talk about the RMU women at the island on Saturday night, and boy, did the post Brittany Howard era get off to a rousing start. Let me tell you what I looked at that lineup. I was kind of concerned. Then I thought I started to realize things. You know, possibly you know you uh, Sarah LeCavalier was playing defense. And, of course, prolific winger there. One of the toughest women on that squad, if you ask me. They don't call her Crash for nothing. And you look at that, and, then, okay, well, maybe there's a couple pe- people that need to be healed up. And, uh, of course, they went with the Tri-Captain system. If you follow it on Twitter, I started to discuss that. And we talked with Paul Colantino, the head coach, about that after the game. But I'll talk about that in a little bit. But let's talk about the action on the island um the robert morris colonials look like they didn't miss a beat and for a team that just graduated their all-time leading everything uh you're looking at a year in which you graduated your three three of your top six defenders and you're bringing in first years that are now starting starting to reap the benefit of those great consecutive seasons and you're bringing in first years that are top-notch. And by what I mean by that is something else I spoke with Paul afterwards was these, these defenders stepped in. It didn't look like they le- they missed a beat. I mean, it's hard to replace players like Nat Frazier, Leah Carey, and, of course, uh Catherine Murphy. I mean, I spoke with uh, Kirsten Welsh about that on a podcast a couple weeks ago. And, you know, those are players that are role players. I mean, you don't get, you don't lose, you lose a lot of grit with with Nat Frazier. And let's just say there are very few players that actually frighten me when they play than Nat Frazier because I've gotten the evil eye from that woman a couple times. And she's a fun, she's a really good woman. And I, uh, her mother always treated me great. Joanne, hi, Joanne. Of course, it's my podcast. So I can do whatever I want. Fourth wall. Bye. But uh, definitely, they always treated me with respect. And there are very few players that scared me as much as Natalie Frazier, And it's good to see her going out and getting a being rewarded with a a, tr- a chance to play for the Calgary Inferno of the of the Canadian Women's Hockey League. Um, Definitely one of the pleasant surprises of this off season. and but you go back and you look at it, and I was looking at, uh you know the new the new defenders that they brought on, uh, Wazen Rice, and I'm going to probably mispronounce some names for a very 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 long time, and you know Jillian Jillian Thompson, uh, it was really weird, and it's going to take me a while to uh, not see number three. As a as Brittany Howard, <laughs> I've been covering this team for this is my fourth year, and it's all I've known was three was Brittany Howard, and of course that's a big hole, glaring hole. But let's let's talk about that for a second. The, you've got quite a crop of first years coming into the Robert Morris locker room this year, and something that was concerning me was that scoring depth. Whenever you lose it and they they're nothing to worry about. <laughs> I will be honest with you. This team may be more well, well-rounded than the team last year. I mean, this is only one exhibition game that I've seen, but I'm looking at this, you know, you know Rice and Thompson coming in on the back end, and then you bring in Leah Marino, uh, Kraskowski, sorry, Krasowski, and that big, big gun of Kuhlman, and... <laughs> They put Coleman in on the top line between next to uh JC Gebhard and Amber Rennie on the opposite side and wow. She I mean you got timing things that you're gonna have to worry about, but she definitely uh came in there and played great. And she got she was able to, um, you know, create opportunities for the other two. Uh <laughs> that's going to be something you look at Uh, Krasowski got a goal in that game Uh, that's another gun that you're looking at that's going to be filling in that spot Krasowski also got a goal during that game and we were able to talk to her after the game so here is Mackenzie Krasowski new forward for the Robert Morris Colonials
5: Uh, your first goal it's a preseason goal but it's still your first goal uh, as a collegian how do you feel
6: it, it's an unreal feeling like I'm, I'm speechless <laughs>
5: <laughs> Can you can you describe the play that uh, that produced the goal?
6: Um, so the play was just like all hard work by like both my line mates and the D itself um, So Joel got the puck in the corner We had a little give-and-go and I just waited for the goalie to go down and push over and just put it up top and Big celebration at the end. and could feel better <laughs>
5: Jell was uh, uh, one of the freshmen last year, uh, put up a few goals, but uh, if the first preseason game or the first game's any indication, she's really been working hard uh, in the offseason it seems
6: Oh like. yeah, she, she's on fire, like she, she definitely gave up to expectation, like um, just unreal playing with both Harley and Jell and like playing with two sophomores, it's just an unreal experience.
5: I mean, it's uh, there's always stuff that you can work on before, during, and after the preseason. But, you know, a final scoreline of 6-1 certainly helps the mood in the locker room. What impressed you the most? Still? What did you like the most about what happened out there tonight?
6: Honestly, just the atmosphere itself. Like, all the girls are just, like, so committed to this team. And it just feels so nice. It's, like, complete culture shock for me. Um, and everyone's, like, so positive on the bench. And just everyone wants each other to like, succeed. And that's just a, a totally different atmosphere that I'm used to and I absolutely love
0: it you mentioned that culture and the change in it. what major differences have you seen coming from your level where you were last year to coming into this the collegiate level what's the major difference for you
6: um I'm gonna say that everyone can play here like it's not just like a few girls on one team that are like carrying everyone like everyone that I've seen so far like we all play as a team and everyone can contribute to the game so and we had some great coaches out this year like um, I'm really in like press with their coaching style, and I just everyone wants each other to succeed. And now it's just, just like a little bit different than what I'm used to.
0: That was Mackenzie Krasowski, uh, and definitely some really good points there. That you know, you look at that culture of the team and how the, the coaching staff has put that together, and that's how you get those type of players to come to your squad, to come join your team, to get to join that family that you're trying to create is to just create that culture and they're doing it by bunches on the island and you know what kudos and hats off i mean i'm not trying to be a homer with robert morris women's hockey but at the same time you look at it you can't help but be impressed at how they're handling it and why not you know two straight years cha championships i mean uh, they won in two one two years ago uh, ran into that powerhouse mercy squad mercy squad last year and Definitely going to be another up-and-comer this year. So, if you're not on the train by now for local Pittsburgh-based hockey at Berg Hockey, it's definitely there. You got an opportunity to see a very good squad on the island. Um, definitely there. Uh, we're going to move along. We're going to talk about the another member of the squad. And, Liam Marino definitely looked solid in that game. So, those are your first years on the front end, and of course I spoke of the other two looking like, you know, exactly what you want out of a young defender. You want somebody that's going to go out there and you won't be able to recognize that they're making mistakes. If you see them and you recognize them while they're out on the ice, then that means they've done something either extremely well or they've done something severely wrong. And there wasn't much coming from uh, from the bench. So definitely one of those things you got to look forward to. And we're not even into the... Into what we're talking about now, um, very impressed on in the uh, in the crease with Ariel Dismet. Uh, I could I could say whatever I want, but the future is very bright on the island right now. Uh, and then you talk about your returners, and I'm actually going to announce my basically my my raised up my rising so- first year two sophomore that I try to say every year and. Uh, basically it's the player that I'm noticing the most. And I, I expect the, you know, I, I expect to see a big season out of that big step from your first year to your sophomore, basically the exact opposite of a sophomore slump last year. Uh, it paid off for me. My, uh, my raising sophomore was my rising sophomore was Natalie Marcuzzi. Uh, definitely was the right pick there. A dynamic center, um, has all the tools, and just loves to play the game. I I look forward to seeing watching that progression. But when we're talking about this workhorse and this person who rose from first year to sophomore level, there's not much more of a of a rise than you can make than watching Angelica Diffendall and watching her do what she did in that exhibition game. Tall winger loves to go to the net very 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 good in the corners. At very scary last season during her during the exhibition game, like maybe had the yips, maybe was a little concerned about you know playing collegiately as a big step up from you know playing elite. But of the Penguins elites, Angelica Diffendall this year's going to be a rising first year to sophomore, uh, put two goals in, almost had a third in the exhibition game was on fire towards the end of last season. So this isn't even just something that I'm pulling out and saying, oh, well, definitely the case. She's going to be... No, there's a little bit of case study to be set, to be had about this, and there's no pressure on her, but definitely somebody to watch out for on the island this year. I'll be doing this for the men's side too, don't worry. But for now, it is definitely something to look forward to in the Robert Morris women, and that's uh, the player that's going to be looking ahead. And I mean... <laughs> There's not much you can say else than what you saw there. And she's going to be definitely one of those players to watch for. Um, but we're going to shift gears to talk about the leadership group. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to get this information in last week in time for the podcast. But it's very, very interesting to say because there were a thousand conversations within within our group of Pittsburgh Hockey Digest writers and you know and we discuss okay what are they going to do this year as as a leadership group and it's not important the letter on your jersey is just a letter on your jersey if you think about it and, but at the same time that does mean something and you know you're you're going into an exclusive group there and they have six seniors they had seven in this graduating class they'll have six coming out of it uh, of course, Amber Rennie, Kirsten Welsh, Maggie Lagu, Sarah Quaranta, Katie Sadowie. And you're definitely going to... Oh, sorry, and Lauren Bailey in that. So you're looking at that group, and it was going to be a tough call because you have a bunch of players that could be leaders. And we talked about this with Andrew Wisniewski a couple of weeks ago. And there are definitely a grouping of players that you can look at, and you're like, well, you can make an argument for everybody on that on that squad. Uh, Perseverance, maybe they are the voice of the locker room, and uh, they settled in a unique way. Introducing your captains for the 2018-19 Robert Morris Colonials, of course you have defender Maggie Legue, defender Kirsten Welsh, and forward Amber Rennie, all well-deserving, and most likely they probably left a couple players off that could have deserved it, but you know, they went with three A's two years ago, of course, with Ricky Mayer, uh, her situation, uh, of course, with uh, her battling her disease, her uh, illnesses a couple years ago. And then you look at the team. Last year, you had two A's and a, and a captain, but definitely well-deserving of those three to receive those and there, two uh, all three of them were in that conversation earlier including a couple more and getting an alternate a and I will say this a million times and I'm going to say this now and I will probably do this this was my original I'm upset but unfortunately now I have to switch over and do something else for I'm upset this week but that a is alternate it is not assistant guys I love you all to death And if there's one thing I have a major pet peeve about, it is alternate, not assistant. But you guys were saved from the I'm upset about that by a very, very, very sporadic tweet this evening, which I will talk about a little bit later. But for now, I'm going to go into it and we're going to talk with uh, defender Kirsten Welsh here. She's going to be our first interview. She was the post-game from the Robert Morris Colonials. Uh, of course, like she was on a podcast a couple weeks ago, one of the three captains of the squad. She's going to discuss about her upcoming season and what she's looking forward to. Once again, here is Kirsten Welsh, captain number. Well, there is no number captain for the Robert Morris Colonials.
4: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a, it was, uh, it was a good game. I mean, uh, UIC came at hard. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is a great first game for us, uh, including all the rookies, like their first shifts. It was just, uh, we, we just played really well as a team. For the How
5: did uh, the rookie defenders look out there?
4: Awesome. Amazing. I mean, uh, even like Crash, like she's to me a rookie defender because it's her first game of defense and absolutely killed it. Same with Jillian and, uh, and Wason as well. Like they just, they honestly did, did their best. So. Had
5: she been, uh, that sort of caught me by surprise when I saw the lineup. Has Crash yeah. been practicing a lot on defense just for this yeah. game? Or?
4: Yeah, so yeah, our coach put her back there uh, for the like, majority of this week, and uh, we've been rotating through defense partners. Uh, nothing is really set in stone ever, I mean, for really like, defense partners. I mean, to look at a game, like, we play with everyone, like, all the defense, defense we play with each other. So, yeah, she's a great addition to the group, and uh, honestly, I hope she stays. <laughs> so
0: hey. huh going into the senior year now yeah you're looking at a letter on your jersey congratulations on the captaincy um what are you looking to accomplish with that letter on your jersey in terms of the younger players and bringing that family that culture towards the next level
4: absolutely um honestly my biggest thing is just to just like set an example of what um what a leader like looks like i just do my best honestly um it's not really no one's really like taught to be a leader it's just it's just kind of like how you act and like what you do on and off the ice. And I think uh, our leadership group, not only myself, but uh, the, the other three as well, um, just setting examples and uh, just bringing our team up and together is the best thing we can try and do for everyone. So,
0: Kirsten Welsh, of course, had her on the podcast a couple weeks ago, um, one of those three captains for Robert Morris. And I'm going to truncate the uh, Paul Colentino interview. I have a couple things that I want to talk about. You know, yeah you know, it's hard to come up with a decision like that whenever you're deciding to you know name three captains so it means there's something in a lot of your players that you're looking at and excited about and i'm gonna truncate his this interview for two reasons one is he refers to a couple things that i you know that I noticed in the game, especially those young defenders that he brought that are being you brought in and then of course the uh you know trying to decide. What type of player is the leader on your team, and when you have so many options, how hard of it is? How hard it is to do as a coach? So here's Paul Colantino, head coach Robert Morris Women's Colonial Hockey Club. Okay, looking at your uh, roster now, I just watched, after watching that tonight. Your uh, first years, especially on the back end, didn't look like they were too far out of place. Is there anything you can say? about that new grouping, especially after losing three of your top six last season?
7: Uh, you know what, they—they, uh, they, I agree with you, they looked great. And um, you know, our veterans, uh, we thought did a nice job of uh, not to say um, making them feel comfortable, um, but just, uh, just helping communicate uh, throughout the game, talking things out, working with them. Uh, we had a lot of different pairings throughout the game. So everybody was kind of playing with everybody. But we felt like uh, exactly what you say. Our three jumped right in, did a great job. Um, did a great job um, you know, seamlessly kind of fitting in for a first game. And then, yeah, got some points out of it too. So we're excited.
0: My final question is uh, you're on with a three-captain set this year. How did that come about? I mean, I understand after the last couple of years of these guys, but how did that all come about?
7: You know, we just have strong leadership um, throughout our classes. And uh, sometimes to just um, – Not to say to just give it to one person is unfair, but when you have such uh, good leadership, and it's not just with the captains. I mean, in in all honesty, there's like five or six people at times you want to give uh, a letter to because you just have um, just so many areas uh, where different people are able to shine and jump in in terms of their leadership roles and and how we do things. And uh, we do feel, um, you know, collectively when we do things, Uh, you know where everybody's kind of bringing something to the table we feel like you know everybody gets just a little bit more out of it and why would that change in one sense with our captains Um, you know every er every other area within our program everybody's bringing something in so um, you know uh, we like you know uh, we think it's going to be a good thing for us Uh, and again um, you wish you could almost give more people uh, a letter (laughs) But uh, you shouldn't need a letter to lead anyways. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Push.
0: Yeah.
7: I'm working
1: on time. I'm upset. 50,000 on my head is disrespect. So offended that I had to double check. I'm
0: always take- Oh, wow. So that leads us to this. And I'm going to cut this in here because we have a, an interview that Andrew Wisniewski did with, of course, a Robert Morris, colonial men's goaltender, Graduated uh, Terry Schaefer. Uh, it's the first of a two part interview with the Shafe Dog, as it's referred to as his uh, Twitter handle states. Uh, but definitely want to get to that in a second. But we're going to lead this off. And I, I'm going to. I was originally going to do a cushy I'm upset segment based on the, you know, alternate versus assistant coach. And, no, sorry, but captain. But. Something popped up in my timeline, and it's something that I definitely uh, that I definitely agree with, and uh, it's something that really stuck with me, and you look at these, where women's hockey is compared to where it was. Yes, they've made some big steps, but you'd never really have made that a gigantic step into the public eye. And yes, we're still—it's still a growing sport, and this is where I got my start. But I just saw a a Twitter release from the hockey news that basically got me a little bit riled up, and I, I got my start covering the Robert Morris women, and through that I have learned the different levels and g- enjoyed learning about how the the sport has grown exponentially when it comes to you know uh, what the gist of the article is that Caroline Ouellette, who is one of the top Canadian hockey players of all time did not even receive any attention for her retirement and that is something that just you know you look at the teams and you're getting bits and pieces from the league that wants to promote its product and you know you get hear the top players in in your country playing in your league, and a slight, uh, slight little bit of promotion from that. And it upsets me to see that your your top players are not getting even the top tier. You you, you even a thunderstorm. You hear the top level of the thunderstorm, the top amount of decibels from a far distance. That is why you hear it takes so long for a thunder, a rumble of thunder to come to you. You're only hearing the top amount from a distance. That's why it's so loud when it's close. But to have, you look at the retirement, and nobody is talking about this. Your top player in a country whose whole sport is hockey. That is something that I believe is asinine. You're talking about a a female football player, a soccer player, a footy player will get some, you know, some media attention here when she retires or moves on to do something. To to, to have your top sport in your country and not do that. And that just resonates with me coming into this, looking at like, wow, maybe the progress isn't as far as we're talking about with this sport. And I am forever grateful and I will never give up my time as spent as a Covering the Robert Morris women or covering the Penns Elite girls or covering the Steel City Selects U19s, U16s, because this is something that is growing in this town exponentially. You have these multiple, multiple, multiple teams growing, and it's not bad hockey. People, that's one of the first excuse that I hear. Oh, they're women. It's probably bad hockey. It's not men's hockey. There's no hitting. Yes, hitting is a major spark. Part of the sport, but there is so much more to the game. I've watched this game, you know, the raw emotion, the drive, you know, they're not resting on their laurels, they know they have to earn any of it. My favorite part is I look at the last couple years, most, if not all, of the players that graduated from the Robert Morris men moved on to play professional hockey. Maybe a handful have gone on to play professionally. In the Canadian League, for the women's side, a lot of these girls know that once they leave college, that's it. Some of them, it's all over. And they talk about that, and you see that, and you don't realize how you know what it's like to have that drive and to watch. And one of the weirdest feeling not one of the weirdest, I'm sorry, that's, that's the incorrect word. One of the hardest times that I had was last season, walking through the Harbor Center, gallery, and I individually wanted to say goodbye to every one of those players and thank them for allowing me to cover them and I do that every year I did that two years ago in a harbor uh, sorry at after it was all over, I said thank you to whenever I could, especially whenever they came and got their rings I, I have that opportunity to you know, but that the looks on their faces and some of them are like, you yeah, know this is it and most of them know it, but they're you know i I don't know the numbers I've never heard of the case. But I, I get this feeling, you get that case where it's a lot harder to let go of that because that's been such a big part of your life for almost 22 years. A lot of these girls are leaving and they're not playing after this. I mean, you, you, maybe they'll go out and they'll play ball hockey or maybe they'll go out and they'll still play on a club team or they'll go and they'll play at rec, but they're not playing anymore collegiately. And there's no professional, there's no job for them at the playing hockey afterwards You got to grind, and you got to go out, and you got to earn that opportunity. Because you're talking about what is that? 14? No, 15. uh, I believe there's 13 or 14 teams professionally in in between the United States and Canada, and you're talking the top tier leagues. There's probably a couple leagues that you can go and play here and there below that, but that's it for the most part. You you're done after that, and you these girls that earn it that that make that jump from professional from the collegiate level or the juniors level to professional they've done something that is very rare and this this woman went and played on the olympic team for so many years and nobody and she played 7 years with her with the same squad same squad and you're getting little blurbs about hey, you know, there's an article, hey, you know, she's retiring, it's just a blurb, it's not an article. Seven years, a couple Olympic gold medals, and a great career doesn't deserve an article? What is this worth anymore? Come on, guys, let's get better at this. Let's definitely get involved, want to see this succeed, because whether you like it or not, it's coming. You may disagree with me about the, the quality of hockey that you're seeing and the ability of these women that go out there and bust their, you know, what's every day to go out there and put, you know, to play at the best level they can. Come out and see it. I challenge you. This is Mitch's second challenge. I challenge you to come out to the island to see a collegiate women's hockey game. To come and see the Buffalo Buttes play at UPM 66 later this season. I, I, definitely, I challenge you to come and see. And then come on and tell me. Tell me, did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? W- why, What? you know, I, I don't understand it, I guess, is what part of it is. is I don't understand why we have this feeling that we don't have to, you know, that women's hockey is somewhere below men's hockey. I'm sorry, it's not. They're coming to play. I have never seen more raw emotion than that type of a game. And I'm not talking the emotion that we were talking about, oh, well, we're going to go out and we're going to take cheap shots because we're down by five goals. No. Beginning to end, I have seen minimal amount of cheap shots in these games. I mean, you every once in a while you're going to see that go back and forth, but that's beside the point. I'm getting a little bit off subject here, but at the same time, you look at that and you think, wow, what are we doing with our sport when we're not paying attention to this half, but we're paying attention to the other half? I understand it's been around longer. I understand men's hockey is a little bit faster, a little bit more physical. I mean, yes, women's hockey, there is no checking, but that also allows for more playmaking, more open ice you know you see the shots you see the passes you see great passing by the way and but you also see the drive and intensity because be honest with you there is no tomorrow for a lot of these girls and it's not it's not a dim it's it's a bad look at it but it's the truth and it's a shame it's a damn shame that we have to live in that culture but it's getting there listen you created another professional hockey league they went out and they created another one in the last couple years. It's growing. It's coming. This sport is going to be bigger. It may not get to a very large level that we're talking about it as like, oh, well, yeah. no. We're talking about a sport that's going to be self-sustaining at some point because the players are going to continue to get better like the men's game did for years, and it's just going to continue to grow, and you're going to get faster, and they're going to get stronger, and they're going to get better. on the And it's going to catch up to you. And, like it or not, it's coming, guys. And if you haven't noticed, that's why I'm upset this week. Not because of a letter on the jersey, but because of the player in the jersey. I'll be right back. Hello, everybody. Mitch here. And we are talking Mitch's Challenge. Of course, Mitch's Challenge is trying to find the best student section in the PIHL. I'm looking for all classifications. Anytime that I'm in the rink, I'm going to be paying attention to some. A lot of the action, but also the student sections, because I want to see what you guys got out there. I want to see a very rowdy section. I want to see some sections that are having a good time. I want to see you guys do everything short of getting thrown out, anything that could actually stop or harm the game. Bring your signs. Get that face paint on. Have a good time. At the end of the season, whenever I decide who wins Mitch's challenge, they might get something out of it. We're still working on the details for it, but I definitely want to see your best out there. So I don't care who it is, classification, single A, double A, triple A, D2. Bring out your best when I'm in the rink, and we will see you in the rink. Sorry, guys, I really like ranting. But that being said, i got to bring you into a very, very, very interesting interview that, uh, of course, our new, fe- uh, a new feature of the podcast, Andrew Wisneski, A.R. Wisneski on the Twitters, is bringing to us every week, and he got a gem this week. And we had- it was so good, we had to split it up into two parts. Um, part one with... Former Robert Morris colonial netminder Terry Schaefer is coming up. He's going to talk about his life after Robert Morris, with, sorry, during Robert Morris, after Robert Morris, and everything in between. So, with that being said, here is Andrew Wisniewski with Terry Schaefer.
1: All right. Hello, everyone. I'm here with. Terry Schaefer, he's a member of the RMU class of 2016. He was the goalie of that class. Um, you know, one of the most personable guys I knew on that team. Um, so I'm happy he took some time here to talk with us, uh, sort of catch up on where he is today. So uh, Terry, first off, uh, people can find you on Twitter with your handle shaftdaddy one So how the how did that Twitter handle come about? Um, that
8: that's just been around for a long time, I actually, uh, probably back in junior hockey, actually, um, back when I was playing for New Hampshire Monarchs, back, uh, not to date myself too far here, but uh, back uh, when Twitter was really first uh, first taken up, I think I came up with that name with uh, some friends, um, you know, that, uh, that survived a long time, uh, I'm not
1: sure if it's, uh, it might be great for my professional career, but uh, Shake Daddy lives on uh, from here on out. Nice. All right. Um, so, speaking of dating yourself, um, when did you first start playing hockey as a kid?
8: Oh man. Um, well, my parents. I was really lucky. My father. Um, we had a pretty big backyard. So my dad used to be able to build a hockey rink in the backyard. So I was skating as soon as I had it. It when my feet were big enough to fit in a pair of skates. Really. I started probably started playing around four years old or so. But I mean, my I had an older brother and an older cousin, so. I just kind of fell into hockey that way, that uh, they wanted somebody to shoot on, uh, they wanted somebody to that for street hockey, so that's uh, kind of how I fell into hockey.
1: Alright, so did you, uh, you know, once you started playing competitively, were you a goalie right off the bat? No, I wasn't. I was a defenseman who couldn't skate, I, I couldn't,
8: <laughs> I could hardly skate. I was never the greatest skater, but uh, as I got older, obviously I got better, but um, I, I was um, I was really just an awful defenseman. They used to put me out there every, like, uh, every, a, lot of, a lot of defensemen would go play every second shift, but I would go every third. <laughs> and once I kind of picked up on that, I was like, yeah, maybe it's time for a position change. Thankfully, uh, thankfully, I was much better at goalie than I was at defense.
1: Yeah, so uh, about how old do you think you were that you sort of switched over? Um, oh, well, I was pretty young still, probably about 9 or 10 years old, i guess. Okay. Cool. So uh, I looked back, It pulled up your RMU bio, um, and it says that, you know, Ryan Miller was one of your favorite players growing up. Um, so how did watching him sort of influence you as a goalie?
8: Oh, man, I had Ryan Miller during his best years. You know, I had uh, Ryan Miller. Remember, I'm from Rochester, so, uh, you know, we get uh, we get the Sabres on every night, and they're minor league, uh, they're minor league affiliated in Rochester Americans. So I got to watch him come up through the system, and just the way uh, his presence in that was something that, you know, I'm, you know, he's an NHL goalie. I was never able to, you know, mimic exactly how uh, sharp his movements were, be or something like that. Not that you can't learn from that, but what I learned from him was, uh, you know, just watching the presence he would have in net. He'd, be, he'd look big. He'd play with confidence, and uh, it just, uh, it just kind of, you know, showed throughout the rink when he was in the net. He looked like he was confident in everything he was doing. Just some kind of net presence. It's, it's hard to put your, uh, your finger on exactly what net presence is for a goalie. But you know when you see it, and uh, I, I really tried to mimic that in uh, in my
1: game. Definitely. So uh, how are you feeling about the Sabres this year? I know you know they got Dahlin coming in and Eichel, <laughs> of course. So what's your outlook for them?
8: I, I'm I'm confident. I'm confident. Uh, not for nothing, but the Sabres did just beat the Penguins last night. season, <laughs> I believe. So yep. I was uh, I don't get to see the Sabres uh, on top of the Penguins in a box score too often. But uh, I mean I'm hopeful that they're going to have a pretty good season. Uh, you know, obviously with Dalen coming in, and they got Eichel. They just re-signed Ryan Hart. They got a good group of young players, and hopefully, uh, you know, moving Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, rumors around here is that he was a bit of a cancer in the locker room. But uh, you know, we're we're hoping that uh, we're hoping that they're going to have a good team this year, a competitive team, somebody to watch, because we're definitely not getting that out of the Bills right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, how did you end up coming to RMU?
8: Um, I was actually, it was, um, it really worked out pretty well. Um, I was playing in Atlanta my last year of junior, and then I got traded up to, um, New Hampshire, uh, which was kind of an odd move for a while, yeah. uh, around Thanksgiving time. And then when I got to, when I got to New Hampshire, I had been being recruited by, uh, Colgate, uh, and their division one coach who I was actually friends with, uh, he played at Colgate with Matt Nicholson, the former, uh, he used to be an assistant coach with Robert Morris mm-hmm. while I was there, and uh, while I was getting recruited by Colgate, I didn't quite have the you know the grades to get into Colgate uh, that they were looking for. But um, they passed my name on to Matt Nicholson, um, and that's how I met Matt, and they started recruiting me. Um, and then the rest is pretty much history. When I came on a tour, I was for a game at at the uh, I'm not even sure what's called now. PPG Paints Arena is that what it's called now, or is it? Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah, it was there, but
1: um, we watched them play Ohio State, and I just fell in love with the team, fell in love with the, the, the campus, and the rest was history. Nice. Um, so, you know, once you got to RMU your freshman year, you didn't play that much, but you had a, a great goalie in front of you and Eric Levine. Um, so he had a great year that year and has gone on to play, you know, pro hockey for a number of years. So how did he help you early on coming in as a freshman goalie?
8: Um, work habits. Yeah, nobody, nobody works harder than Lovey. Nobody works harder than Lovey. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's you know, it, to a point where, you know, it, it's, uh, you might need to tell him to, you know, take his mind off this for a while. He he, eats, lives, he lives hockey. And it, it taught me a lot about, you know, how to properly prepare for games. How to, you know, good practice habits, battle habits, not to quit on pucks, um. And then just having him to talk to as a resource afterwards, he was, she was great. He was, so she was always a phone call away. Um, I was really fortunate to have somebody like that, that cares so much about the game and cares about me personally. Um, a year ahead of me to watch and kind of develop as a goalie, kind of a year to work on things. So I was really fortunate to have a guy like Eric ahead of me.
1: Definitely. Um, so obviously you were part of a huge class, you know, and most of you guys played all four years for RMU. So how do you think that influenced your college hockey experience?
8: Um, I, I, think I'm the luckiest guy that ever got to play, um, you know, college hockey. Um, a group uh, class like ours, it was, it was something special. Um, you know, we came into campus and it's not like anybody could boss us around on the team because there were so many of us, you know, it <laughs> yeah, was uh, just such a big group of guys. and We all had a great relationship, you know, it wasn't really clicky between all of us. Um, I think there were nine of us all said and done and then Tyson joined for a while. Tyson, uh, joined our class, so. Uh, We had as many as 10, and uh, it it was just, uh, it it was the best days of my life. I love those guys. I try to stay in touch with them as best I can. It was, uh, I was just really fortunate to be able to play with such a a great group of guys.
1: Yeah. Um, So, you know, as a goalie, you're in a little bit of a different position in practice where everyone's trying to beat you, you know, everyone else is sort of working together. Um, So who do you think was the toughest guy on your team that you had to face day-to-day in practice?
8: Oh man, uh, um, I don't know. I've given giving away some uh, state secrets here. I would never let anybody know. Tough uh, <laughs> to stop day to day in practice, but I mean, I think back and obviously Zach Lynch was a you know a hell of a player. He was pretty tough to stop. Um, you know, Cody Whiteo. I was with him for three years. He was he had a hell of a shot. Um, I played a lot of really good players, so uh, you know I'm, I'm not going to say one guy or the other, but. You know, Greg Gibson was tough. Friedman. I mean, they all, they all, they were all great
1: players. But uh, I think I got the better of them for the most part. <laughs> nice. So, um, you know, speaking of all those good players, you played with. I think it's uh, it's got to be at least the top three scorers in RMU history. And Brady Ferguson, Cody Wido, and Zach Lynch. Um, so, what do you think? You know, the key was that allowed so many guys, so many years in a row, to keep beating each other for that scoring record. Um, you know, good players playing with good player definitely helps.
8: Uh, I mean, I think back I know Wido played on the line with Lynch and then uh, Ferguson was on the line with Lynch as well, so uh, I mean, I, I can't tell him. Lynch was just the only guy who, you know, but it seemed like uh, whenever anybody was playing with Lynch, they had a good season. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was special to watch. Um, you know, we had, we had a good work ethic and we had kids that just had a nose for putting the, net, the puck in the net. It's, uh, some of those things, you just can't teach and that's what all three of those guys have is just kind of that uncanny ability to uh you know put the puck in the net they have a clutch gene they're not afraid of big moments and um it showed
1: definitely so as you mentioned you know you're a rochester native so what was it like for you playing so many games near your home both against rit and in the championships especially considering you know the rivalry you guys had with rit I was really fortunate to be uh, to be playing in a league where I got to come home and play. uh, You know,
8: in in our case, twice a year because we would always go to Rochester. But uh, I was really fortunate to be able to come back and uh, play here. Um, You know, some of my best memories and some of my worst memories on the ice uh, were in Rochester, um, unfortunately. But uh, you know, it's uh, it it was a blessing. My family got to come out. I got you know older older. Older family members that couldn't uh, travel probably as much as they would have liked to, so it was a real blessing to be able to come home and play in front of them. And uh, you know, uh, I was just really fortunate.
1: For sure. So, do you have a favorite rink that you played in during your college career?
8: Oh, I'd say playing in Michigan was pretty cool. Uh, Yost Arena there. It was uh, it was packed. It was uh, and it got loud there. Their fans showed up about 45 minutes before puck drop. We would still be warming up in the uh, off-ice in our shorts and t-shirts, and they'd uh, they'd already have fans. there heckling us. So wow. I'd have to say, yeah, I'd have to say Michigan
1: was probably my favorite spot. Yeah, definitely. And you guys even won one of those games, right?
8: That's right. We won a uh, shutout game there. Uh, well, I wasn't in that for that one, but uh, Dalton played. and He had a great game. And uh, the night before, we had a really good chance to beat him. We were up, uh, I think we were up a couple of goals going into the third period, and they just.
0: Uh, Very interesting stuff there from Terry Schaefer. Uh, Andrew Wisniewski won another fine job of a feature uh, for the podcast this year. He's going to be here almost every week for us, helping us out with that. That was, of course, the first part of two. uh, The second half will be playing next week on the podcast here. And wow, we had a really good show today, in my opinion. Recording this on Tuesday night, um, late night, burning the midnight oil. Uh, Fortunately, with my job, I have to do that a certain way. So just to recap everything that was and everything that will be this Thursday, we will not be in the rink, but good luck to both Hemfield and West Allegheny. They will be facing off in the Greensburg-Salem preseason tournament. Um, The second thing, next week. We will start our In the Rink coverage on Friday night. I will be in the rink with the Robert Morris Women's Colonial Hockey Club as they host, I believe that is, St. Lawrence in their opening weekend. St. Lawrence receiving votes. So is Robert Morris. So it's going to be an an outsider's looking in this year. Uh, Robert Morris was selected as the second best team in the In all of second best team, I'm sorry, one of the teams that's receiving votes on the outside of the USA Today poll, so and Saint Louis is in the same exact same situation. They're on the outside looking in, but you know it's going to go a very long way for one of these teams to be able to play each other to get into that top ten once again. Robert Morris, of course, has been ranked at least. Uh, Throughout the last two years, in one of the major polls, and or at least receiving votes at the end of last season, so it's going to be an interesting uh, dynamic to see how these two players, these two teams, play out. Um, It's 7:05 on Friday, and then they're going to bring us back on Saturday. I have a very special uh, individual coming into the rink with me on Saturday. Of course, our newest, one of our newest contributors, Tyler McGoygan, is going to be joining us at the island for Robert Morris Women. He's excited to come out and check out a game and see what it's about. And he's going to help me out a little bit with what we've got going on. Um, Then we, of course, have the USHL. The USHL is playing their fall faceoff at the UPMC 66. We're all going to be jumping in there. Let's see what we've got there at the end of this month. It will be a fall classic on... The twenty seventh, that is Thursday. It will be Youngstown and Tri Cities facing off at two p.m. at the at UPMC sixty six. And then on Sunday, I will be in. Hopefully, I'm trying to be in the rink on Sunday. I've got some things I've got to work out to get to it, but definitely going to be able to uh, check that out on Sunday. They're playing Dubuque. Um, at 1 p.m. at 66. So if you get an opportunity to check out, it's a very, very, very hockey-filled weekend. Real good hockey on that day. If you want to check it all out, I might sh- stop out and check out a little bit of the, uh, you know, a little bit of the action afterwards. It doesn't necessarily have to be Robert Morris, but uh, I mean, no, I'm sorry, Robert Morris doesn't have to necessarily be Youngstown. We've got a couple players up there. Roman Kramers playing up there this season. Uh, hopefully, he'll be able to get into the lineup. Uh, we're back down to Johnstown. We don't know for any certainty what's going on there. Um, and then you look at that. And then uh, you got a couple ACHA games to look at that weekend. Uh, Duquesne's playing Oakland. IUP's at Liberty. Pittsburgh's at Alabama. And the Slippery Rock's at RIT. RMU will host Kent on Sunday. That sorry on Saturday. That's an 8:20 start. ACHA. I'm not sure if Ed Major is going to be out there for that this week. Uh, we look at a couple other upcoming games. Johnstown just played in the NAHL showcase. They did pretty well. A couple ge- couple goals from the from players. Chad Merrill made got a uh, a player of the the week honor for them. Uh, looking around, the USHL Fall Classic. Uh, PPE the Pens Elite are playing. It's going to be uh, a couple of the players. Rocky Mountain are playing Rocky Mountain Bell Tire and Anaheim in that tournament at RMU, the Island Sports Center. The 16s are playing at Barrel and the ISC Little Caesars, St. Louis, and Wisconsin. Uh, the Vengeance are going to play the Metro Jets this weekend and are, then are going on the road to play Worcester. Uh, the Pens Elite 16 girls are going to Exeter for the showcase there. The Otters playing Mississauga at Mississauga and they're going to play in Kingston. I'm um, just going through this list right now. I've got a couple other things going on right there. But, I mean, it, it's definitely starting to become hockey season, guys. And we'll be in the rink for those PIHL games. Alan Saunders on Monday going to be coming from Lebo. Ed Major coming from Ice Castle. I'll be out on Tuesday at the Ice Mine. We're, the PIHL is back in full force, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for hockey. And no better time than now, once again. I would like to thank all my guests: Callan Almadi, Brian Bame, Clay Shell. I'm probably missing a couple here: uh, Mackenzie Krasowski, Kirsten Welsh, <laughs> Andrew Wisneski, and uh, I'm sorry, Paul Colantino, Andrew Wisneski, and Terry Schaefer for coming on. Oh boy, we had a really big game, really big show this week. Thanks everybody for listening once again follow us on Berg hockey for all of your Pittsburgh based hockey needs and once again for all of us here at Pittsburgh Hockey Digest I am Brian Mitch Mitchell as our good friend Gary Heeman always referred to me as whenever we did the uh, when we do the action track podcast I will see you in the rink take care guys.